Ciao a tutti! The season is getting warmer. We're beginning to plan quick trips to the coast or to local towns. I'm wearing a light jacket. Sometimes I even leave it at home. My hands are no more tucked into my pockets in search of some warmth. Spring is here, well, most of the days, and with it came the time of long walks along my favorite country roads, of some foraging in search of herbs for a salad, and of the first gelato, eaten in my favorite gelateria. Well, this was what I had planned to say when I wrote this episode. That in the meantime, the weather got worse and it seems November more than May now. I'm bringing my jacket with me and often a scarf too. We've been absent for a while, I know, but we're back. And with one of my favorite themes. Thank you so much for all your lovely comments and feedbacks on our podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you are listening to a podcast. Rate and review the show. It will help us to be found online and build up an appetite for Italian food. Share with your friends too. You will find all the links to the recipes we mentioned today in this episode description. Don't forget to visit juleskitchen.com for more information and to discover new stories and recipes from Tuscany. And now, let's start! Ciao! My name is Giulia Scarpaleggia. I am a Tuscan-born and bred country girl, a home cook, a food writer and photographer. I teach Tuscan cooking classes in my house in the countryside and I've been sharing honest, reliable Italian recipes for 10 years now through my cookbooks and my blog, juicekitchen.com. If you love everything about Italian food, big crowded tables and seasonal ingredients, join us and follow Cooking with an Italian Accent. Welcome to Cooking with an Italian Accent, episode 9. Today's theme is Tuscan street food. Street food is one of the fast tracks at your disposal, and to me it is one of the most satisfying and rewarding to get into the habits of a place you want to discover. If you want to understand a city, eat like the locals. Street food is quick, cheap, democratic, local and delicious. Let's start our tour with the most famous street food in Florence, Lampredotto. It shows also the love of Florentine people for Quinto Quarto, which is awful. Lampredotto, the fourth stomach of the cow, was so typical of Florence that until a few years ago, the tripai and Lampredotti stands used to be located just in the center of Florence, not even outside the city walls. Now they are slowly spreading, reaching the suburbs and the nearby towns and cities like Prato, but it is almost impossible to find Lampredotto outside of the Florence area, and this gives to the Lampredotto a special flavor. You know you are eating the real food of Florence. There are some famous spots where to eat Lampredotto in Florence. Nerbone is located just inside the food market of San Lorenzo. It has on one side a long old-fashioned marble counter with busy people working behind it among pots of simmering broth and crackling pieces of porchetta. Order your food and take it on the other side, if you can find a spot, where you can enjoy your panino with Lampredotto or with Trippa in a space equipped with chairs and tables. Nerbone is renowned among workers and tourists, as you can tell from the long queue you have to face if you dare to have your panino during lunchtime. The Lampredotto into a panino made by Nerbone is savory, smooth and tasty. This is probably one of the best places to start. Then there is il Trippaio del Porcellino. It is a stand in Piazza del Mercato Nuovo. It is best known as Porcellino, a few steps from Ponte Vecchio. 
This is where I learned the secret to make a perfect Lampredotto. Everything starts from a flavorful broth. This broth is made with a pot full of water, where you throw in salt, onion, celery, carrot, and a ripe tomato. Basically, it is the same broth I make at home. So if the ingredients of the broth are the same, can you guess which is the difference? The secret lays in the Lampredotto itself, because the three pie have the first option in choosing the best and freshest offal of the just butchered animals. Then, what is left goes to the grade distribution. So if you want to make an outstanding Lampredotto, you have to buy the Lampredotto from your family butcher, as to be sure it is fresh and has a good quality. Then, you have to cook it in large quantities. This is just like when you make ragu. If you make a tiny pot of meat sauce, it will have no depth of end character. To have an impressive ragu, you'd better put on the largest pot you have, add your ground meat and vegetables, and a thick tomato sauce. Then you let the pot mumble slowly on the stove for hours. When the tripaio del porcellino makes lampredotto, it cooks 10 kilos of meat, not a few hundred grams and you can tell the difference when you taste it. Now it is time to try his perfectly made panino, a thin crusted bread with a soft and juicy filling, dripping of savory broth with plenty of salt and pepper, a tasty yet delicate tender lampredotto and a thick salsa verde, enough to add an extra depth without covering the other flavors. For me, this is pure art. If you happen to be in Florence soon, Go visit one of these tents and try the Lampredotto. Otherwise, you can find a recipe on the blog to make it at home. And you can either make a panino or a very simple risotto with Lampredotto. Along with Lampredotto, there are different panini you can get from bakeries or vinai, Tuscan bread or focaccia, and it can be filled with prosciutto, pecorino cheese or porchetta. Usually they are filling, satisfying and totally affordable. Now let's move from Florence to the Tuscan coast to discover torta di ceci or cecina, or a chickpea cake. I've always lived in my family house in the countryside in between Siena and Florence, where I'm still living. Always with one small exception, five weeks in Pisa for a postgraduate course in a small apartment without a kitchen, but with a microwave. At that time, my hunger made me discover the cecina, which in Livorno is called torta di ceci, a chickpea cake. It became a main source of sustenance. If you want to eat the cecina in Pisa, my favorite spot is Pizzeria Il Montino. I'm still salivating at the thought of their cecina, sandwiched in a focaccia with grilled eggplants with tons of garlic. If you are in Livorno, well, first thing first, do not call it cecina in Livorno, or they will refuse to serve you because they call it torta, simply torta. Seriously, I'm not exaggerating. If you are at the central market in Livorno, the heart of the city along with the port, and ask for directions or where to eat a good torta di ceci, everyone will address you to Gagarin, just outside the market. It is one of the last torterie, if not the last, that will serve only torta. Take a good look, because the door is so small that it can be confused with the house entrance. It is a little shop that serves the best torta you can imagine. You can order a cinque e cinque, which means five and five, as it used to be five cents of bread and five cents of torta di ceci, with a generous sprinkling of black pepper. Now you can also add grilled eggplants in your panino. What to drink with it? Spuma bionda, 
an old-fashioned soft drink with an aromatic flavor and amber use. So what is torta di ceci? It is made just with chickpea flour and water and then salt and olive oil. It is baked in big copper pans in a wood-burning oven. You find a similar recipe in Liguria and it is called farinata and a similar recipe in Nice where it is called socca. There's also a similar recipe in Palermo. Well, there uh, you find panelle and with chickpea flour you make kind of polenta which is then spread very thin and then fry it. But it's still similar with chickpea flour. Then you find a similar recipe in Morocco as well. Chickpea flour was a source of proteins that for sailors who were living for months on the sea was really, really important. You find the recipe for the chickpea flour cake, the torta di ceci, on the blog as well. It is a street food, but I like to have the chickpea cake also as an appetizer or often as a main course, as it is almost as a vegan frittata. The texture, when it's baked in the oven, is similar to a frittata. So I like to add vegetables like peppers, onions, zucchini, or even better, zucchini blossoms. And that becomes a main course, very satisfying, light, filling main course. Now to the third street food of Tuscany. Bomboloni and frati. Let's go back to when I was 15 years old. Summer holidays in Maremma with the family, lazy days made of books and comics, beach tennis with my cousin Margherita, huge slices of crisp watermelon, sticky hugs of screen sun and sand with my sister. Claudia was still a child at that time. In the morning, the donut man would pass from bungalow to bungalow on a vintage bike with a huge basket, selling bomboloni, ciambelle, craffen and cornetti. His call was the best wake up. My parents would buy us a bomboloni alla crema for breakfast. It would come wrapped in a white paper bag, heavy, steel warm. Tall maritime pines and brackish hair were the background to that perfect bombolone that I would eat with big bites, hungry for life. Bites that turn into smiles covered in sugar. Now, 30 years old, Sunday morning in Florence, breakfast at the bar close to Tommaso's house. A thick, frotti cappuccino, a macchiato, two warm bomboloni alla crema piled on a saucer. Our breakfast together, so exceptional as to deserve a trip to the bar as soon as we would wake up, often with our eyes still asleep. The bombolone was the beginning of a day all for us, to invent and to live together. The bombolone bind with an invisible thread some of the most carefree moments of my life. The unripe teenage years and the sultry Tuscan summers at the beach and the full adult life, overflowing with my love for this man and his city. Bomboloni are not a standard. They are the exception to the rule, a day to celebrate, the holiday you don't want to forget. Bomboloni are an evening with friends that stretches up till the morning, with a sweet memory of bomboloni lingering in your mind as the sugar that sticks to your lips. You can buy bomboloni from stalls at the market or in pastry shops and bakeries. There's often a sign hung outside the shop telling when the bomboloni are ready. Bomboloni are often a midnight snack, one of the best ones. I have quite a new recipe on the blog for bomboloni, even though the best bomboloni are still the one that you can eat when you're at the seaside as a child. But let's go for a moment back to Livorno. 
Now we're not talking about bomboloni, but our close kind, our donuts, known as frati in Livorno. The Antica Frigitoria is located in the heart of Livorno, in Piazza Cavallotti, not far from the historical center and the food market. The specialty here are called frati, soft, sugar-coated donuts that vanish in a few bites, leaving behind sugar-covered lips and an immediate yearning for another. Now, take a close look at these pastries and you'll understand both how they earn their name and how much the Livornese love to joke. Frati means friar, and these donuts resemble a monk's tonsure. The fourth street food I want to talk about might be my favorite. Well, I know, I'm saying it's my favorite every time I mention a new street food, but this is really good. I want to talk about schiacciata. In Tuscany, a warm schiacciata with olive oil is something we worship. There are those who want it soft, with just a drizzle of olive oil, those who would prefer it crisp and thin, and those who would gladly drench it in good extra virgin olive oil, those who only bake it on stone, and those who do not survive without it as a bite of schiacciata is like traveling back in time, when it was a school snack. As a child, we would often cross the entire town of San Gimignano, from Porta San Giovanni, where my grandfather Remigio lived, to Porta San Matteo, and up and down along medieval streets of grey stone, to buy a piece of schiacciata from the Boboli Bakery. Still the best I've eaten ever, like the best schiacciata. The schiacciata we would buy at Boboli, was thick, with little puddles of olive oil on the golden surface. Just enough to make it softer and greasier chin, with the right amount of salt, which was the perfect balance to a mellow crumb. During summer, when we used to rent a house on the seaside for a few weeks in Maremma, and you can see now that I have so many memories from that time, my dad would ride his bicycle every morning to a bakery right on the port of Castiglione della Pescaia to buy a dozen pieces of schiacciata with rosemary. He would then bring the schiacciata right on time for our second breakfast on the beach, after an endless swim. Nothing beats a piece of rosemary schiacciata on the beach, with your feet tucked in the sand and your hair still dripping salty water. When I was attending middle school in Colle Valdelsa, my dad would leave me every day on his way to work in a nearby village, where I would wait for the bus. There was a bakery, and it is still there, where the students and the families would queue outside to buy some snacks for school. I could choose between a piece of schiacciata, simply seasoned with olive oil, one filled with ham and cheese, the thin and crispy one, or the thick one, which would loudly beg to be stuffed with mortadella. Now, the fifth and the last street food I want to talk about. It brings us back, again, to the seaside, to Maremma, when I was a child. Gelato after dinner was a ritual, a sacred moment longed for for the whole day. It could be in a small paper cup from the little bar down the road or a huge cone from the center gelateria. But every day there would be a gelato. In those days where there were no accounts of calories, sugars or diets, there was only the pleasure of the ice cream every night. At the seaside, the gelato was the perfect complement of equally perfect days. In San Gimignano, when we visited our grandfather, the ice cream was the prize of every Saturday night. Nonno Remigio would put a crease 5,000 lire paper money on our hands, enough to buy ice cream for me and my cousin with a few coins left as pocket money. 
Then we would enjoy our gelato sitting on a green bench in the square under the pine trees or on the stone stairs of the cathedral, looking at those who pass by, while mom and own Silvana would talk with all the friends they would meet every week in San Gimignano. So how to recognize the best gelato in town? Stay away from gelato piled high and with bright colors. Ever wonder why it does not melt? So opt for a gelato which sits into its refrigerated container, even better if it's closed with a lid. Opt also for seasonal flavors when it comes to fruit. Word of the day. Learn the Italian language of food word after word. Every year, more than 200 people join our cooking classes. Speaking with them, I made a small dictionary of important words and pronunciations that can help you navigate through the immense world of Italian food. So, if you love Italian language as much as you love Italian cooking, these are a few words that can be useful for you. Today's word is schiacciata. Schiacciata is a soft, flat bread. You can find it as focaccia, ciaccino, or even pizza bianca, white pizza, according to where you are. It can be thin and crisp, thick, chewy and dense, light and with lots of air pockets. It can be plain or stuffed with mortadella, prosciutto, or even torta di ceci. Wherever you are, grab a slice and enjoy it on the street. This is the end of today's episode of our podcast, Cooking with an Italian Accent. I'd love to hear from you. Have you ever tried Lampredotto or Torta di Ceci in Tuscany? If not, which is your favorite street food, even belonging to other food cultures? Just let me know, I'm very curious. Share it with me via email or with a post or a story on Instagram using the hashtag Cooking with an Italian Accent and tagging Joe's Kitchen. If you have questions about Italian Tuscan cooking, just email me at jules at juleskitchen.com or join our Facebook group, Cooking with Jules Kitchen. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever you are listening to a podcast and share it with your friends too. You will find all the links to the recipes we mentioned today in this episode description. Don't forget to visit juleskitchen.com for more information and to discover new stories and recipes from Tuscany. Ciao, see you next time!